The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, so and then I continue with uh, the story of my Dharma life. And for this week, it's more my life as a teacher. And uh, I ended yesterday by talking about how we decided to become incorporated as a religious nonprofit. And that happened in 1997. And the purpose of that was to uh, be able to purchase our own property, to have our own center. And um, so that process began of seeing how we could do that. And uh, early on, we had this idea that um, actually we had a, the, uh, the first and maybe the only fundraising committee meeting, a group of people who were interested in trying to fundraise for this purpose. And we met in someone's living room. And um, Terry Lesser, who's our yoga teacher here for many years at IMC, she said, uh, money follows the practice. And as soon as she said that, we stopped talking about how to raise money and rather talked about how we could offer more practice opportunities. And we did a survey of the community to see what kind of practice opportunities they wanted. And one of the things that was desired was to have a Sunday morning program, another was to have a yoga program, and, um, and other things. And so we started a Sunday morning program uh, in Portola Valley. And by now, we were using many different facilities around during through the week for all the different programs we had been developing. We had two programs a week at the Friends Meeting House. We had at the Community Center in Portola Valley, we had the Sunday morning program. We had uh, day-long retreats in, um, uh, in a couple of other churches, a Presbyterian Church and a Unitarian Church that we did on often on Saturdays. We started, started doing retreats, kind of weekend retreats, at a Zen center up in the mountains here called Jokoji, wonderful little Zen center. And, uh, and then a Sangha kind of connection uh, offered me a, uh, a room in her house that had its own door to the outdoors that I could use as an office where I could meet people. Because before that, if I had to, was going to meet one-on-one for practice discussions with people, when the weather was good, I'd meet in parks, at city parks. And when the weather wasn't good, I would meet at coffee shops. And, and that was kind of, you know, interesting to be having very deep, difficult conversations in a coffee shop. And sometimes people were crying, telling me about their life or something. And, and, but that was the only, we didn't have any space because we had no place of our own. And so then we had this, so then I had this office in uh, this person's home. And so we had all these different places and it became clearer and clearer that we, were, we had enough programs through the week that we could consolidate them all, just move them all into our own center. It kind of like justified having our own place. But we just uh, developed our practice. Uh, as, um, and then we also, in having, deciding to have first, uh, we had first Monday evening, then Thursday evening, and then Sunday evening. One of the clear decisions that I made was that I didn't want to be a teacher uh, teaching too many people at one time. 
And uh, so when we had about 100 people coming Monday nights, we started the second program on Thursday nights to take the pressure off Monday. And then we started Sunday morning. And um, it would have been a lot easier for me to just give one Dharma talk a week to a big group of people. And maybe it would have been more efficient in some ways. But I felt that the dynamics of being a teacher in the front of a very large group of people there was a lot, there's a lot of projection, uh, even if it's unconscious, it's just the fact that so many people are focused on one individual and the way we do it in the inside world, giving Dharma talks. I think it creates kind of a skewed relationship and, uh, or projections or associations to all that. And I wanted to, uh, I wasn't interested in that. I wanted to keep, you know, things kind of simple and more basic. And I didn't, I didn't want to become like a big teacher somehow and, and one of the aspects of that was that uh, when we meeting at the friends meeting house, um, everywhere we met, uh, I just sat on the floor on a zabaton, on a meditation mat. But uh, then slowly people said, well, we can't see you at the big room. You have to be up, elevate a little bit. And I resisted that a lot, to, even to go up, uh, I think, eight or ten inches on a little platform. I didn't want that because I felt associated with kind of becoming a little bit too special or something. And then at, at IMC, we brought that platform with us here, and then they wanted it higher, and I resisted that, and and um, and would only use it sometimes. But now, and that's what I'm sitting on now. It's probably 15 inches or so, and uh, and now it just seems like what we do. But I had this concern about you know the the uh, elevation of uh, a projection, the elevation of authority, power, all kinds of things that goes in being this role as a teacher. So we were started to look for a place and uh, we I think we were pretty naive about how we were going to finance it and how you know and we didn't but we were surprised that before we even started asking for money, when people learned that we were wanted to buy a place, people walked up to us with checks and said, Here. It wasn't like big checks necessarily, but people just started offering us money and and um, and then we started raising money with a fundraising letter once a year. And then at some point, uh, we heard about um, uh, a minister couple in Redwood City, uh, who were the ministers of this building here. And it had been a, um, it was built by a small uh, Christian denomination called First Christian Assembly. And um, they were a little bit mystical Christians. They sat in silence a lot. And the uh, elderly couple uh, were ready to sell it, but they wanted to sell it to someone who um, also sat in silence. And we had a middle a person between us, a bridge to us between the, them, who knew us and knew them and introduced us. And, um, and so uh, uh, I called them up, and they were certainly interested, but the message we got back is, don't call us, we'll call you. So we drove by the place and saw it, but and it was the uh, kind of the furthest limit of how the geographical area we thought we would maybe could move to, and um, and so we didn't call them for I think I called them one more time. This was in January, I think, and or something like that, April, and then uh, the following January we still hadn't been shown the church, and so. I called them up and a little bit honestly, a little bit as a kind of a way to see if we can get some contact going. I said, um, 
um, you know, we were looking for a place to be able to hold some kind of event we want to do. Could we use your church? And uh, and uh, the one minister I talked to on the phone uh, basically said, no, I think, but we had an hour-long conversation, and that was really nice. And then I was next day I talked to the the spouse, another hour-long conversation, and by that time we were like best friends. And we talked a few more times on the phone, it just felt so much love, so much warmth going on. And they just assumed that they were going to sell it to us. They hadn't even shown it to us. And uh, they even said that they would uh, carry the loan, which we didn't have really the money to do that with, you know, to buy it ourselves. And um, it was very strange to have all this going without actually having seen it. And, um, and so finally in September of 2021, uh, the, um, uh, they showed it to us. And uh, it was just kind of a wonderful connection with them. And they were so happy with our community and us with them. And we bought it. And then in 20, January 2022, 20, 2002, so it's September 2001, we, we saw it, bought it, and then in, moved in January of uh, 2002. In looking for it, we had uh, revisioned for it. And the... We did, I had, we had, I had a, a bigger vision of just having a center. Uh, the dream I had was, since I was going to be rooted here in this area now, that it would be nice to be able to provide a, a, a Buddhist practice opportunities or support for people uh, throughout their lifetimes, from uh, childhood to from cradle to grave kind of thing. And so the, one of the visions we originally had was to find a property that was big enough to have a community meditation center, a place for people to do long-term self-retreats, and a hospice. And uh, those three would be kind of synergy of a certain kind of depth of spirituality and connection. We had thoughts about children's programs. And when we finally moved here, uh, we were kind of a little bit of pioneers for the mindfulness in schools movement. And the um, few of us here met regularly and organized the first conference uh, in the country on mindfulness in the school systems. And people came from all over to, uh, you know, because it was the first one and to have this conference. So there was this like, a bigger vision of what was possible that started with a, looking at a center like this. As I continued teaching, uh, before we bought the place, I had my first, ch- my, my wife and I, we had our first child. And uh, that was a real turning point for me because um, it, uh, we had a high-spirited child and uh, parenting for me was quite demanding. Monastic life was easier for me than parenting. And I often was very tired and, and um, my wife and I were often very tired from the constant care of this child. And we had no support. We didn't have grandparents nearby. We didn't have We, we didn't have any nanny and things like that. And one one point we we brought our child to uh, uh, the first kind of pre, kind of a preschool kind of thing, and and um, and it was a uh, he kind of uh, was expelled from preschool uh, within a few weeks, uh, flunked out of preschool. So that was a glorious beginning to his uh, educational career. I think because he, he woke up other woke other kids up during the nap, and that was a no-no for that place. And um, 
but what happened for me as a teacher was I no longer had time to prepare for my talks. And I, um, and I was tired. So I would show up to teach, and I thought that my, the quality of my talks, I thought was really dropping dramatically. But the odd thing that happened, people seemed to appreciate my talks more and more. And I think what was happening was that I was becoming less intellectual about the Dharma and more talking from, from some, you know, from the state that I was in, talking about how things were for me personally and, and, uh, and people resonated more than with the talks. And, and that also then was the beginning of, uh, I felt really the beginning of, be, of starting to be attuned to how being a teacher is a, its own practice. And uh, an example of this would be, I'd be sitting like I'm here now in my meditation posture to give these talks. And as I taught, uh, I would be paying careful attention to where if I was leaning forward or being pulled back or the tone of my voice. And there were so many little feedback loops inside of me of where I got caught. I was concerned about what people were thinking about me or, you know, if one person in the, in the hall uh, walked out, I could feel like, like I got, oh no, I'm failing or something. And, and I could feel, you know, sometimes it was subtle, but I could feel these shifts of attachment or uh, uh, I'd have fear sometimes. If one person was sitting, looking down, shaking their head like this, I noticed that my eyes went to that person all the time as if that person was the arbitrator of how successful I was in teaching. And so I got to see a lot of the conceit, a lot of the attachment, a lot of the fears. There was a, in this posture, I could see the subtlest shifts and movements represented how I got caught. And so as I was teaching, um, I was kind of using this as a practice thing. And, uh, and that was uh, really important for me. I learned so much about myself uh, practicing paying attention as a teacher in this role. And, um, and that was a good thing because as we got the center here, then I started teaching even more and, and, um, and that just steadily grown over time. So I think we'll do one more day on this Gill story and, um, and then we'll see what's next after that. So thank you and, um, and um, I appreciate all of you and this chance to tell these stories and I hope that uh, it's somehow instructive or helpful for you. Thank you.